Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to support, pursue our artistic dreams. And to support striking writers, actors, hotel workers, UPS employees, everybody, everybody who's out there on the picket line fighting for a fair deal right now. That's right. That's right. Today, let's check out the used book buyback biz, the assistant archivist appointment, and then we'll dip into the online writer's salon. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And today's episode has been a long time coming. We have a magnificent and celebrated author whose works have appeared in The Rumpus, Los Angeles Review of Books, Literary Hub, The Millions, and The Hairpin, among other publications. Yeah. She penned the critically acclaimed novels Catalina. Favorite. The worst kind of, yep, the worst kind of want. <laughs> and Love. Most rec- yes. And most <laughs> recently, The Pink Hotel. I have questions. Okay, which was listed as one of the best books of 2022 by Esquire and which will be released on paperback, in paperback, on paperback, as a paperback tomorrow (laughs) as of the date of this recording. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'm so psyched. I'm so psyched. Okay, she's a fellow alum of the University of California Riverside MFA program, and we are delighted to have her with us today, zooming in from halfway across the globe. Please welcome to the show, wonderful Liska Jacobs. Yes. We are psyched. We are psyched. Um, You guys, this took a lot to manifest because Liska lives in East Berlin, Germany at the moment, so we're... Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> this is like so amazing. We will be conducting this interview in German today for all of our American <laughs> Do, listeners. Don't. Uh, my German's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, meant, I meant German accents, not German. Oh, accents. <laughs> yeah. But every time I do a German accent, you say I'm appropriating because I sound Indian. And I'm like, that's unhealthy for everyone. <laughs> the only accent I can do is Irish. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I was in Scotland for, I think I was there for two weeks on a trip and um, just like in parts where we were doing a lot of hiking and stuff. And so everywhere we went, it was like the thickest Scottish accent ever. It wasn't like modernized. And I, yeah. by the time we did get down to Edinburgh, I was like totally like a, 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 a mountain Scottish person. And people were looking at me funny and I was like, what? It's like I was born here. Right. I came home. It takes a while to break too. Yeah, you come home with it and then it's hard to break it. (laughs) It is. And we yell at people like Madonna and stuff, but I'm like, um, she's living in a foreign country forever. Do you remember when she moved to England and she lived there for years, like a decade plus, and like she spoke with a slight British accent. And I'm like, Yes, well when Germans and British move here, they talk with a slight American accent. American like, accent. what are yes. we talking about? Yes. We expected she wasn't doing them. a performative. Yeah, I've seen actors do performative uh, British accents. Oh, James yeah. Franco, actually. But I was in a... But, am I allowed oh, to tell that story? Yes, and we want to know this story. Okay. I When I was doing my English degree at UCLA, I studied abroad. I just did like a summer course in Shakespeare. And James Franco was getting his degree at the same time. And he was my creative writing class, but he somehow or for some reason did the Shakespeare course also. So we all, me and him and like, I guess maybe 15 other students were in England for a summer. And he, when we got to Stratford-upon-Avon and we went and saw the, the plays, he started speaking a British accent. And I, I thought maybe he was always British. I mean, this was 2006 maybe. So, I mean, I didn't so was wasn't that accent. aware of him. It was, I mean, it was just, it was, it wasn't what I had heard before. So I was like, what was I, was it so faint before, you know, like, what, are you just yeah. faintly British? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Actors sometimes surprise yeah. you. And then I, somebody asked him and he said, no, it just felt more appropriate to speak in a British accent while he was in England. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Very cool. This is why they say don't marry an actor, but I did. Oh boy. (laughs) I mean, is it so? Is it so hard to just say I'm practicing? Yeah. Yeah. Just be like. And yeah, what he would do was. Oh, this is so telling so much stuff, but it's fine because he's. He's not going to listen to our show. Person. 
Yeah. So yeah. he he would he he would read Shakespeare at night to groups of girls in the holiday in lobby. I think we were staying or something like that, right? And girls Duh. would like break up with their boyfriends to sleep with them for like one night. I mean, it was a whole. Duh. He was like the star of the program. Program. It was just very. Was he was he famous that he already done like freaks and geeks and stuff or he had done you know what I think he was doing he was like in the Spider Man at the time. Okay, so he had yeah. done yeah. freaks and yeah, he was he was established. Yeah. He was established, yeah. I mean she said two thousand six. I remember when Yeah. I remember when he went back to school and TMZ was like Oh, James Sprinkle. Yeah. You know, he's so smart. Yeah, he graduated oh, with me. Yeah. In my in the creative writing courses, he would he wouldn't read people's work, but he would have somebody walk in in the middle of the class and hand him everybody's pages because you know you're supposed to workshop everyone's pages. Yeah. With this assistant's notes on them, and then he would sign it with flourish, like James Franco, and then hand it wow. back to everybody, like you're welcome. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it was next level. It was next level, man. <laughs> and then his, yeah. surprise, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm famous. <laughs> yeah, he did like a short story collection far before I ever was like doing Catalina or anything. And I was like, God damn it. Here's the thing. We haven't had one on the show yet because nobody wants to talk about it because it's a lucrative um, it's a lucrative side hustle and so adjacent to uh, the art of a writer is ghostwriting. And I'm not talking mm -hmm. about ghostwriting somebody's memoir or autobiography. I'm talking about like, you know, a famous actor or person is like, oh, I have an idea for a story. And they have like one mm -hmm. log line and they're already famous. And then they hire a creative writer to write the mm -hmm. entire novel. And then this famous person gets noted as like, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. The accolades yeah. are beyond me and beyond comprehension. Yeah. And I know the person that wrote the book and they get oh. nothing and they sign NDAs. Yep. And it's like, mm -hmm. and as an actor and a writer, the amount of frustration I feel is beyond comprehension. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm the working class. But like mm -hmm. this person is like the yeah, <laughs> I'm exploited labor. Surprise. That's basically yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> so surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I, I honestly feel like people should be sharing bylines. Like if you're a story creator mm -hmm. in in film, and we're not going to talk about or promote any films, but in a film, if you write a script, there's the person that created the story, and then there's the person that wrote the script. So like mm -hmm. we do have that distinguished. Um, um, credit. So yeah. I just feel like, why aren't we forcing this upon this industry? And that is a, yeah. a it's a, super I, I don't bizarre. Know. It's bizarre. Because if you think about it, no one really believes that these actors or celebrities are writing those books. It's like we are all deciding to believe the Emperor's New Clothes collectively. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, yes, I, this person definitely I wrote all of this. I read Hulk Hogan's memoir, and uh, it definitely, listen, if it was ghostwritten, they really captured the voice. They got it. They nailed really? it. It felt like I was in the room. Well, Hulk Hogan does have a credit inside his book that says, with the help of this writer, like, there's, that's, that's a true. memoir. Really? Yeah, that's a memoir. And I'm not really yeah. talking about memoirs, because memoirs, I think they do give credit to yeah. ghost We're writers of, often. Of, like the novels, the short stories, the yes. Yes. No. I know. Now that I, I, know. Now that I think gets it, me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do yeah. think he said, thank you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, what a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> you have a signed autographed copy of that book. I have it back here on, I a, do. on a shelf. <laughs> oh, I love your shirt. Wait. Yeah, it's right. Oh, J Jason's shirt. Yeah, let's talk yeah, about side hustles for a second because that's really we good. Should. Because we that's should. the show, but also because Liska was born and raised in Los Angeles, and I feel yes. like it. It was the hub of the beginning of side hustles. You were born and raised here, so you've seen this your whole life from people. Yeah. I'm sure 
we're like yeah. you just don't go and get your makeup done by someone and they're not telling you about well i just do this on the side i'm really trying yeah. to be i mean culturally it's ingrained in you from like uh i mean from a child it's just part of the culture and i've only i've noticed how much so moving away it's not hustling here is not the same kind of way in at least in germany yeah. Um, it, I think it's really something that we like internalize too as Californians. It's not just Los Angeles. It's like, I think I was expected to be working and making money to support myself and support what I wanted to be doing from gosh, maybe 15 or 16 years old. Like it was just like, get out there. The workforce will eat you up and whatever it is you want to do, you'll do it on the side, but you need to have a like a hustle, right? Yeah. Like that's what you've got to be doing. So, I mean, I think I wrote you guys that I, I've worked so many bizarre yes. jobs, <laughs> it, which is great for writing, right? You can pull yes. from any of those jobs, right? Part of it is, I think at some point you start thinking these jobs that I'm using as a hustle are also fodder for my books. Like I'm just absolutely 100%. Right? Let's talk about that. Club and I'll put it in the pink hotel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is what, that is what I want to talk about. I have so many questions about the pink hotel. Like Catalina <laughs> was just I have this one question like, oh, my God, I had to look it up. I'm like, there are planes that go from here to here in California. There's just so much. And But the Pink Hotel <laughs> made me want to cry, scream, and laugh all at the same time. The anxiety <laughs> that built inside me. <laughs> and that's a book full of side hustlers, in my opinion. But we will talk Absolutely. I'm so pumped that it's coming out in paperback because I just feel like this is like a rebirth. Some people are like really weird where they only buy books in paperback. So you're all very lucky and you're welcome. Lisa's I mean, giving is, you a paperback. It is sort of, that's like the hustler form of a book. I, I mm -hmm. mean, I don't think I would, if I, if it wasn't my job where I had to have books that came out and people were either giving them to me or I was going to somebody's event and I was buying them in hardcover it's paperback, right? That's the one you can technically kind of afford, right? You're not going out to buy. Do you remember when hardcovers all of a sudden were like $30? And yeah. it was just like, what? Who has much? Yeah. At some point, I was making that an hourly wage, right? Like, that's yeah. like, I'd be like, well, that's how much I'm making a day. And I guess I'll trade it for this hardcover book. Well, that's when I would go to Barnes and Noble for for days on end and just sit there and read in the store because they set it up like a library. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, new release." <laughs> Nobody ever said yeah. anything to me except when I tried to get a job there, and they were like, "No." Um, I think they thought I was going to steal the books, but yes, yes, they are expensive. And when I see people, you know, you follow. Um, book talk or like writer Twitter and you see all these people mm -hmm. going, look at my book haul, look at my li home library. I'm like, um, that costs more than my monthly rent. And you are like, yeah, that's... That in one trip, yeah. the books cost more than the furniture they sit on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, that's true. Yeah. It is, it is sort of a commodity in a way that I think as, because my main goal was always to be a writer, right? That was my passion. I, I didn't think about books as commodity until I got into the publishing side of things. And it's it's a weird way to look at art, frankly. Yeah. But we're in a capitalist culture, so, you know, yeah. I guess yeah. I should have foreseen that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... I mm. mean, you decided to do it for, as a living and not as a hobby, so... Yeah. yeah. Like... Yes, yes. Although I'm, I'm, I'm still debating about whether or not you can make a living about writing. But, Which will I mean. we're, okay. We're gonna talk. Okay, let's back up for a second because yes. Okay. <laughs> so you did you go to college right after high school? No, you took no, time I off and not. you became no. an employed yeah. human being. But you an always knew you were going to be a writer. So let's talk yeah. about that because um, I think that's important to understand why you made the transition from being a writer on your own time and having a day job to going. I'm going to go to school and study this. Yeah. And then keep going. So let's talk about that journey. So you get out of high school, but you start working. Is this your working at the Getty at this point? 
no, my God, no, the Getty wouldn't hire you without a bachelor's degree. No, I, I got out of high school. Are you, are you kidding? No, you needed a BA. And that was for like $14 an hour. It might yeah. have been 12 actually starting. Like it was really, really bad. Yeah. I remember it's getting that job after. It's a prestige. Yeah. It's a prestige I thought, here we go. Job. I graduated college. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that money. Here's that BA money. And they're like $12 an hour. Are you excited? And I was like, so excited. Yes. But after high school, let's see, I went to, um, I think I was working at a sort of Amazon, this dates me, but it was like a competitor of Amazon out of some guy's Oxnard office situation, which of course has since folded. And then I was working at my space of, uh, of sort of, of my retailers. And it was, it was terrible, you know, like there was a big, it was, it sort of felt very dicey, I think, working there. Where did, did you find this job on Craigslist? By I chance? did actually. Yes. Because I yes. found a similar job. He was an ex MLB baseball player. Is it MLB major league baseball? And, um, mm-hmm. he was a former MLB and he was like a, big one but i don't remember his name so he wasn't big to me like i know the yeah. daryl strawberries of the game from detroit tigers and then i'm out <laughs> yeah. but um i he posted on craigslist i would call him the amazon of memorabilia and it was out of his house and a garage mm-hmm. and i he would like i would do like his charts and then i would do in-person silent auctions of stuff but like he was <laughs> ebay selling you know, yeah, like basically that's what this was too. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like the, the same thing. And and it okay. didn't it didn't last for very long. And then I think I was working at a um I was a front desk at a salon, which is mm-hmm. great because I can I know how I mean I'm wearing a hat, but I can cut my own hair, which is nice. <laughs> you learn Handy. very helpful things in these hustling side gigs. And I think at that time I started doing um courses at a community college. Um, worked at a country club where I managed a golf shop and it was like a very exclusive, it's called Sherwood Country Club in um, Hidden Valley in California. Oh, do you get um, um, tips? Were you, were you making tips? Oh yeah. I mean, the, the scene in the Pink Hotel where she, I think Coco is doing a um, Bloody Mary bar on like the roof. That's, yeah. That, I, I pulled that from an experience I had there where they set me up. It was a men's only golf um, club also so they of were kind was. of like working in a prison that's yes. basically it and I was 19 I think oh, so it yes. was just yeah they're all waiting for so, me to turn 21 <laughs> just why 21 so I could t- go out to bars I guess uh, I, I was already okay. dating my who my husband is I was dating him so I was like I'm taken but they would bring me gifts they don't care and no, they didn't. They didn't they care at all. I mean, that's how I learned that Kenny G's last name. Do you guys know what his last name is? No. No, and this. this so you could had. But put this on the map. <laughs> so when you had to check in people for their reservation on the course, you had to do it by their last name. And yeah. um, so when he came in, I was like, "Shit, I don't actually know this guy's last name. I just know it's Kenny G." And so he was the one that had to tell me his last name is <laughs> is Gorlick. <laughs> I would go by G too. I know. I was like, how, how do you spell it? How do you spell Gorlick? That's you is it C K or yeah. just K? With a G. With a G. It's a G. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was. It was a rough one, but I I, I learned a lot of wonderful <laughs> lessons from that that short job. And then after that, I worked many retail jobs at like the mall yeah calendar kiosks you know that were like yearly at the same time i was working at like like in the middle of the mall like in the walk yes yeah the kiosk Uh yes that was me selling calendars calendars yes who wants a calendar yet you can't you can't like spray someone with a with a calendar sample you actually have to no you have to be like personality to draw them in like do you like like motorcycles Yes, Do you like exactly. shirtless firemen? What's your thing? Yeah, that was my job. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and my husband worked at, well, boyfriend at the time worked at Vans. So we would have lunch at Sweet. Hot Dog on a Stick. You know, yeah. I mean, like real classy. Which living. mall were you working at? At that time, I was working at the one in the Valley. I was working at, which has been redone. And it's very nice now. It's like the Westfield Plaza. But at the time, yeah. it was, you know, the one that you're on your way to the pretty 
Westfield Plaza that's sort of outdoor and you pass the one that's closed down and it it looks like an empty warehouse. That's the one I worked at. I did Robinson's May, I worked at Macy's and I worked as a, a manager at Charlotte Roos and that broke yes, me. Yes, you did. That broke me, yeah. I, cleaning the fitting rooms. Now people I feel like are much more polite about fitting rooms, but in the, I mean, when was this, early 2000s? It was, it was chaos. It was uh, what? Oh yeah, because I've been in the time. fitting room where I'm like, is someone using this? There is a pile of clothes in here. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> someone's living there or exploded and they just turned into a bunch of clothes. Like it was just, you know, sometimes they would, and may, actually my, I think one of my early jobs at Macy's was in the shoe department and people would change their baby diapers in there and, and shove a diaper into one of the shoe boxes. And then we'd get called down and it would be like, you know, hey, find out which box it is and get rid of it. People it suck. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. that's basically, yeah. And then I did you. They weaponized UCLA. their baby's shit. They weaponized their baby's shit. Yeah, and piss. It wasn't always shit. It was sometimes oh just piss. God. Just that saggy piss diaper. It was terrible. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And then I think, I think around that time I thought, you know, if I'm not going to make a lot of money, I'm going to work somewhere that I think is beautiful. And so I started working in museums. I was like, it's going to pay you the same, but you're going to work mm -hmm. in a museum gift shop, right? How is that much different from a golf shop? You're not going to have men pawing at you to museum gift shop. That's not the culture. So I started doing that. I think I worked um, at the Museum of Fine Arts first in Boston because I did a stint there um, at mm. Northeastern. And then I promptly survived one blizzard and was like, fuck this place. <laughs> going and then came back to California, did UCLA and worked at the Fowler Museum. And then I got the job at the Getty out of college. And I thought, this is what I've been working for. I'm going to do, you know, archiving. Like I thought this was going to be it. Because I thought everyone that worked there were artists. And at the time I, I thought you could do a full-time job and you could do your passion on the side. Yes. And very quickly, it's it's just consumes you the yes. full-time job it's just yeah. your it's just your whole life yeah and that was the sort of lesson i learned where if you're going to whatever job you you decide is your job it's your full-time job and everything else kind of has to be a side project i guess well there goes our you hustling now <laughs> well <laughs> no. it's but it's true so like you learn so i i spent eight years with nestle it was my yeah. side hustle. Like I came in as a temp, literally, I was working for a temp agency and two months in, they hired me full time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, there were months where I was like, oh, I'm making my rent and my car payment yeah. and I have groceries and I can go out once in a while. This is great. It's Maybe this is it. Maybe yeah. I just give up everything else. Right. And just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is it. It's it's you get comfortable. Yeah. It's very yeah. tempting. And, you know, when they start asking you out for happy hours and they want to promote you and they start yeah. asking you, like, where do you and see And there's your... all the dramas inside oh. of the, yeah, and you're, like, involved in everybody's yes. life. And it's just a part of your life. It's just it's your life. It's just a part of your life. And then you yeah. and then you get that one call where you book something and it's overnights and your boss is like, yeah, as long as you get to work on time. And then you've worked 23 hours and you're like, oh, no, this is my side hustle. And so I'm just going to show yes. up here with the bare minimum because they're actually paying me bare minimum everything i do over is not overtime mm -hmm. so we're just gonna we're just gonna do that and, and yeah i think, I think the thing with the hustle yeah the thing with the the getty that really threw me was because i was working in archives and it was all very well-known artists right like one of my first jobs there when i was basically a temp when i first started it was like work study um and then i got hired full-time later was photocopying photocopying um impressionist painters painters letters to each other so it was like the here i am holding monet's letter to sorrow or somebody and they're worried about picasso like you it was just so wild to me that yeah. these entire archives of people's lives existed and that they were worried and concerned about many of the things we're always worried and concerned about like I i've listened to some of your episodes on your show and a lot of the concerns Thank people you. talk about, that's what the archive, that's what these artists were concerned about. They were worried about the same exact thing, about their side hustles overshadowing what they wanted to do. Man wow. Ray was, Man Ray's well known as a photographer. 
right? But he, his passion was painting. That's what he wanted to do. And he, his side hustle was basically fashion photography. And he was concerned in all of his letters that that was overshadowing his main passion was painting. I've chills. And so I, I goosebumps. Right? I goosebumps. It, oh it, my so God. It, start, it started really messing with me, especially as I started, I, I was about to hit 30. And I was, I was also taking these archives to people. Um, my job was, there was a reading room and people from all over the world would come and request material for whatever project they were working on. And I started feeling like, like a flight attendant. Like I was just handing out peanuts to people that were on these great journeys in life. And then I would take their trash and, or whatever and, and, and put it back. And then it was like the next flight that was sort of my existence. And it, it really started messing with me because at one point I thought, I've, I've, what am I learning from these archives, right? And it was, time is short. You have to do what you want. And I think I quit maybe two months before I turned 30. And I, I said to my husband, I'm sorry, we're going to be poor and have to leave our apartment, which is what we did. But I would rather be poor and live on the beach and do what I want to do than continuing the cycle. Because I feel like, what have I learned if I, if I don't do this, right? Yeah. So that's wow. What and was he, how, how, how did he take the news? He was very supportive. I mean, we, you know, we've been together since we were, I was 18. Since hot dog on a stick. Since hot dog on a stick days. <laughs> and I think we both knew that if we were going to be, go through our adult years or young adult years, we were going to have to make room for mistakes and whatever it is we wanted to do. Um, so he was like, okay, let's, let's do it. Do I think he would maybe regret that decision now? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's, I mean, we'll talk about, was it worth it later? But I know, but, um, I think it's, it's part of that question, right? I mean, you never mm -hmm. know. Well, right. I think, well, I, th I think one of the best things though, is that you had a supportive partner. You know, I think oftentimes mm -hmm. that along with that side hustle, what happens with artists is we push away the partnerships because the fear of one getting tied down to starting a family mm -hmm. too early, three, like having to shift into this idea of family, even if it's just the two of you, that's a yeah. huge shift in mindset versus yeah. selfishly going after your desire of yeah. producing art, yeah. right? And that, and, yeah, and that's, that's tough, making room for your partners and your own and, and, and sort of hoping that they don't resent you or anything like oh, that, yeah. right? Like that's... That's I tough. mean, I turned down That's two tough. proposals because one of them, I knew he was going to force me to quit being an artist because mm. he wanted me to like move up and become like a CEO at like a corporation yeah. like Nestle. So like when he was put that ring on, I was like, oh, hells to the no. Mm -mm. <laughs> nope. And I was out <laughs> and covered in hives, just like Sex in the City. That's a true <laughs> thing that actually happens to women. And then the second one, I was like, oh, my God, he would give up everything for me. Mm. And I'm not going to give up anything for him. And that's not going to work mm -hmm. in any, 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 any yeah, yeah. world. Yeah. And so that had to be a no. Even though I really loved that person, I was like, absolutely yeah. no. And then it's I met tough. an artist and was like, oh, we, uh -huh. we, we sacrifice <laughs> together. We fit. <laughs> That's you know, what it, it is. Like, I think you just have to decide you're going to make the sacrifice together. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we, all, we do always ask, or almost always ask, you know, was it worth it? And that question is always targeted towards the person we're talking to. But we don't ever really ask, was it worth it for everyone else in your life? Yeah. Um, worth, yeah. worth noting, not really needing yeah. to pull that thread any further. Just, yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it is, is an yeah. interesting one. Right, because you started this journey with young and with someone, and I find that I just find that fascinating because I just we've had other artists on who, um, but it's usually the men who are like, well, mm. it, it wasn't a point of concern for them, you know, the women that they dated and they loved them so much and they got married and had a family and their wives supported them and their ideas and they never yeah. they yeah, never that's questioned very it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like the archives I listed were all like, they're all men, right? Who had their lovers and muses and the rest of the world supported that. And for a woman, that's not usually the case. That's been, not the case. I, yeah. I want to say I'm very lucky, but I'd like it to just be the norm, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I, I think Jordan's, his, his, I, I think philosophy has always been, um, uh, let me help you give like a room of your own. Right. <gasps> I want like his one. I know. Like the big thing about moving to Berlin was, um, this is the first time I've ever had an actual office. Have I done much work in it? Surprisingly, no. But <laughs> but the, he, he's he's been very proud, as he should be, that it's something that he's able to to do. But just showing, like, you know, it's interesting because I did start a family later, like in my thirties. Like I I never thought I was going to mm -hmm. get married because I would meet these nice boys that expected family and all that and I was like mm -hmm. I'm not having a family like I'm live for my art and yeah. then I met my husband who Jason who was like we can live for our art together and we will do this if we oh. want to have a family we'll do it together and like we'll sacrifice together like and, yeah. and just like Jordan like he made me quit my job at Nestle and work full-time on writing and go back to supported yes. my decision to go back to school for that yes. Um, at one point you did say, but you're going to have to give up acting. And I was like, no, I'm not. Watch me. Um, <laughs> I'll make the choice when I'm ready to give it up, man. But it, I want to clarify that I wasn't demanding that you give up acting. No. I was just going yeah, a full how, plate it was a in suggestion. front of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I say something? I, you know, I'm seeing some, some interesting parallels between the two of you and your trajectories but jamie when you left nest your your last full-time day job nightmare um and yeah. nestle was constricting and suppressing you as an artist um mm -hmm. and really just getting in the way um mm -hmm. i started to have lisa, a bad attitude where i was just yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Lisa, I, you know, one, you seem to have a positive attitude and feeling towards the work. At one point you said you thought it was actually going to be your oh, life, yeah. but even more so, it seems that that job and your discoveries there inspired and, and create like prompted your professional career, your professional yes. artistic career. Yes, it it definitely prompted me to sacrifice, um, to choose sacrifice and not to be scared of that. I think part of it was I, I wasn't I wasn't making Nestle money. I was making Getty Getty art money, too. So it was it wasn't it wasn't seductive in any way where I could yeah. support Jordan or I could support a family or I could support one day saving money and buying a house or an apartment right. or anything. It was it was it was very much like if you do this job this you're doing it because it's your passion yeah and so i i really started right. feeling that i had to choose passions i guess in a way mm -hmm. and i and that was sort of it was sort of training in in this sort of strange way where i had to i had to learn that your passion is not going to make a lot of money and so therefore or if it is it's not it's not going to sustain you all the time so like if that's what you want to do you have to choose that right that's what all the artists were telling me all the different archives that's what my paycheck was telling me and so I had to just be like okay I'm going to make the leap I'm going to do it like this is what I want to do I think also at one point I realized I hadn't written anything in almost a year working mm -hmm. there because I had been so involved in it and I had gotten wrapped up in it and higher ups I'm like you, Jamie, where you start a job and at some point they're like, you know what? You should be the manager. Mm -hmm. Now you should be the CEO, right? And it's very, it's like starts to become a thing. And so people were like, why don't you get your master's in library science? Um, coworkers there. And it sort of became, well, would I rather do that or would I rather get a, a master's in, in fine arts and creative writing? Um, and I felt like I had to choose. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I was never going to get an MBA. So that was like, oh, I was like, mm, nah. But um, I did have to choose because, interestingly, it was like, oh, you can be an artist and you can be a psychologist to artists. Mm -hmm. So it was 
for me, the choice was, do I get my master's in psychology or do I get an MFA and really yeah. sacrifice and go down this path and not worry about what other people think about me anymore? It's crazy to me that our choices of being artists would have any reflection on our level of intelligence or capabilities or ability. And I think that's yeah. the thing that we're most so misjudged on. And it's one of the things that's so important to me about this strike is to understand that artists are fucking capable as fuck and probably better at everything they touch than just a person who goes, I'm just going to get a job to be a cog in a wheel so I can have my weekends and mm-hmm. go on vacation. Right. It's yeah. like, yeah. We're we don't live life like that. We're a different breed no. of people. Like we yeah. take everything and we make it our full lives. And that's what's yeah. hard with side hustles too is because we do become so yeah. attached to the work to make sure everyone knows that we care. You yes, know? of course. Yeah. I mean, that's it's what crazy. happened. That, I mean, I I think I went from the Getty to the last bookstore and I started out doing used part-time being a used book buyer and I, the, the owner wanted me more hours. Like, you know, I'm, I was capable. I, I could do the job and then it slowly mm-hmm. turned into, why don't you handle events? Why don't you be the event coordinator? What if you were the event director? Right. And it was just like, no, 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 I, I quit the Getty. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be the event director of anything. That's not, that's kind of exactly the same job I had at the Getty. I yeah. was just coordinating a different kind of thing. So like yeah. I, I, I quit that. And, you know, the Getty was one of those places that people thought I was crazy for leaving. I think they still think I'm crazy. Yeah, 100%. My family was just like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? That was like a perfect job. You got health care. You got time off, you know, whatever. And I was like, but it's not enough, I guess, the way to say that. It's just sort of, it didn't give me enough time for what I wanted to be doing. Right. So in that way, it wasn't worth it. It just wasn't worth it. And you got from it what you were going to get from it. Yeah. 100%. And I miss it. I mean, I still, I still love museum work. It was the reason why I could hustle and do um, assistant archiving, right? Because I had that on my resume. So I could archive at different foundations and stuff like that. Well, let's talk about that. Because you became (laughs) an archivist freelance and you processed Mike Kelly, who I think is a native Michigander also. Oh, yes. But and he, he lived in California, also Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. And he Michael Asher. Mm-hmm. Who's also so, a California artist. Yeah. How did you happen upon, did they post on Craigslist that they needed an artist? <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my old bosses at the Getty was, had left the Getty and became sort of like an archivist herself. And so she yeah. was looking for an assistant archivist to help her process these these archives and I was like sure absolutely I'll do it and it was a um a, I wouldn't want to say a fall from grace archives are not foundations are not as well funded as the Getty that was when sure. I realized oh not all museums have a billion dollar portfolio <laughs> so it was a very different a different a different world and you know we had to deal with I mean budget constraints and all kinds of stuff that mm-hmm. wasn't part of the the wheelhouse of the Getty. And and at some point, you know, those foundations wanted me to get my MLIS, then also become like the archivist of the fountain. It was like, no. Like, Are you guys paying for that? Like what's happening? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it is is when you say you're an artist and you don't have something to show people, oh, they don't really, this. do you know what I mean? They don't really yes. believe it. They yeah. think you're like an adorable, child or teenager that still has a dream and like they're gonna wake up and so why don't you do this for now until that other thing happens and you're it's like no so I- <laughs> awful these guys I know. I know it's not my favorite it's like but- oh I have to prove myself with a body of work that you won't accept anyways uh, like oh yeah I will never forget I went to my husband's family's family reunion I think they were having like a big extended family reunion and one of his aunts it was right after I flipped the Getty and it was very much like what is Lisa doing Jordan's gonna have to support her they've just moved out of her apartment we were living in Crenshaw at the time and we were both taking I mean it was just uh, trains because we didn't have a car it was just terrible and so one of his aunts asked me at the family reunion are you still doing that writing thingy 
that writing thing you like like writing is such a foreign concept yeah Bless like, my uh, mother-in-law's heart, but she is like that. And she is like, oh, I can uh, guess the end of every book. She tried to guess the end of the Pink Hotel. I think I was reading that when we went to Manhattan last summer. And I was like, mm -hmm. no, that's not what happened at all. And she's like, I could read one chapter of every book and know what a writer is going to put at the end. And I'm like, wow. And then until I became a professor, which mm. I'm just adjuncting, but like now it's solidified to her that I yes. am and my aunt and mom that now, now, because I'm an academic or in yeah. academia, now I'm allowed to be a thing because I'm at this yes. thing. Yes. It's this like they job. have to meet a certain bar. Yeah. Well, they have, they have experience interacting with college professors. They have no yes. experience interacting with writers of books that get published are alien to them. It's not someone they exist. ever interact with. It's it's a celebrity. It's like that's mm -hmm. a pretend <laughs> thing, and no one can yeah. really get to that. And I just wanted to, by the way, Jamie, let you know, and Lisa, let you know that um, my mother has a particular relationship with a particular hotel in uh, Beverly Hills. Um, yes. Uh, by way of my father. Up. That my father um, spent more time there than he should have instead of home with her. So he lived there on he, and off. Yeah. So, no! so, so, yeah. So seeing you oh read God. that book in her apartment with like the 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 the, 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 the greenery <laughs> and the flowers, she's like I I feel like Californians have have a weird relationship with that hotel because I I mean I stayed there for research but my Mm -hmm. grandmother and my so my dad's father would stay there when she would come into town like in a bungalow for like a week at a time and i can't wrap around I, my head can't fathom the cost of that because the way i was raised and the way that hotel presents itself now i feel like is very different from prior generations like it feels it doesn't feel like oh, a yeah. place that normal people stay at right like can no you of course. It never was <laughs> no I remember when they gave me an artist discount to stay there and they were so excited to present me with that nightly discount and it was 450 a night and I was like that's a lot of money um mm -hmm. I was gonna stay for a week but okay I'll, whatever I do for my art I'll, I'll do it here's a credit card and then when I was staying in the suite that they gave me I was in the main hotel not in one of the bungalows um they have sure. to by California law sort of post what the nightly rate is somewhere in the room and in the closet they had posted it and the room that I was staying in was $1,500 a night and I was like oh so you did give me a discount this is a significant wow. discount yeah this is a significant thank you yeah. can you imagine uh, yes yes <laughs> I can I I, I I uh listen my family I was just telling Bieber the other day like we didn't go out to dinner unless my grandparents were taking us to Denny's growing up. Um, my parents didn't Don't take us out to dinner. Denny's. They they took us out. My parents took us out to dinner. Like I can remember one time alone as a family. There were four kids. There were four of us and my parents. And they took us to Ponderosa, which is a um, buffet. <laughs> so like it was a big time buffet at the time. But like it just when we would travel we'd sleep one night in the car when mm -hmm. we'd arrive at a place at, at the motel you know we would sleep in the car as a family of four in the van and then the next morning check in to get the most bang for your buck and it was a motel you know and we'd share one yeah. room with six people nobody said anything but we'd have to sneak in the back my mom was like oh we're gonna go in the back door daddy's gonna check us in and then i'm gonna <laughs> bring you guys around the back door okay because <laughs> Because that's 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 the normal, right? I think for most people, not not the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yes, that's such a. I mean, I I went to school. I went to high school. Some some surprise. I'm rich. People who would like spring break it's a in Aspen. It's a crazy hotel. 
It's that's crazy. And my mom and dad told me when I was like, oh, in college, I I would like to go on spring break with my friends. And they were like, no, some kids go to college. Some kids go on spring break. You you get to go to college. I was paying for my own college. Nobody paid for my college, by the way. But they were like, you don't get to do both. And I was like, but they all get to do both. Yeah, Yeah, I was working on spring break at Abercrombie when they would hire like, oh, Oh, you you need work for a week? Come work for a week. I love mall jobs. I'm the queen of mall Those jobs. Those mall jobs, I can still like smell how my clothes would smell when you came home. Oh. And you're like, why do they smell like this? Why do they smell like department stores and like Girl. fried cheese? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just. And it, Mine was it, always it coffee forever. and angel perfume. Coffee oh. and angel. And it was not a good mix. It was gross. Yeah. I, I worked at Pier One for a while, so I had a real like floral candle thing going. Oh, I worked there too. Uh, yeah. yeah, I did um Crate and Barrel. No, oh, that's yeah. actually fancy. Sorry, Bed Bath and Beyond. That's where I worked. Oh God, oh, Liska! I was just like, sorry. oh, Crate and Barrel. Yeah, no, barrel. not Crate and Barrel. No, I wasn't fancy. <laughs> I didn't learn the word. My my thoughts when you said later. that, my thoughts went from like, oh, store discount. Oh, no, oh, I've already no. got my 20% no, no, off no, no. coupon. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> one of my bosses at Estee Lauder, I worked for Prescriptives, and one of my bosses, she was the account coordinator at the time, and she was trying to get her real estate license or was going for her real estate license because she wanted to flip homes. Now, I'm going to date myself. This was the aught 2000s because I graduated in 2000 and um, college, and um, she was like... She got a job at Crate and Barrel, but she was a full-time salaried position with benefits at Estee Lauder, but she took a break to work three weeks at Crate and Barrel or Pottery Barn to get the employee discount, which was like 40%, so that she could buy a bunch of stuff and put it in a house and flip the house to make money. And I was like, the side hustle, the thought that went into what she did. Oh, that's like three steps ahead. That's girl, she was playing chess. Girl, she was yes. playing chess. I'm playing checkers, man. Yes. That's what I'm doing. She I'm was like playing... bouncing from job to job. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then she would sometimes if she needed new suits, like tailored suits, she would do that at like a Benetton or something for like or the limited. And she would like wow. get a two week two weeks there just to get the forty percent off of the suits and then quit. And she'd have like three new suits. Wow. I mean, she was so wow side hustling but in yeah. a different way <laughs> totally. yeah yeah it's tough it's tough now when when we were I, you had emailed me about like what what hustles do i have now and i and i started thinking like does hustling get not harder physically or some for some reason as you get older but but like the opportunities kind of diminish the older you get oh, and like the yeah. way my my cv looks now when we were talking about how families treat us you know how they see us and the moment i published a book because that was so alien to them and I think maybe they did think of it as like something that would never happen it it just changed the perspective of me in sort of a way where they're like wait do we not know her and it's sort of it's Mm -hmm. sort of a weird it's sort of a weird relationship now with with family members and then the second book and then the third book but now as a cv if I if I'm like moved here to Berlin thinking I'll just get a job at a bookstore or I'll get a job at a coffee shop or whatever I don't care just something so I have I can make my own money and I can still go out and whatever. And yeah. people are just like, it could be a Germany thing, but here they're like, no, sweetheart, you're you have a master's degree. You're not going to work at a bookstore. We're not hiring you. We're going to hire somebody else who's looking to round out their resume and they're working on their undergraduate degree. So yeah. very weird weird thing that I'm noticing as I hit mm. forty that they're like, look at that. 30 and now 40. Look at this. That's I'm like, so, 10 years yeah, later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's how it is. Like, we were talking to Natasha Dion um, a while back, and um, I love Natasha. And she was like, she, every decade of her life was a moment of her discovering something new about herself and going back to school for another degree. So yeah. she got a degree in her 20s, she got a degree in her 30s, she got a degree in her 40s. Like, it's like, yeah hmm, what's she gonna do in her 50s yeah so yeah maybe that's what i need she's to do get next. a degree yeah she's gonna get another degree <laughs> i don't know but I the think hustling i mean 
Yeah. You can sling beer to... and be fine. I've well, tried. They don't I mean, me. I agree well, with no. that, though. It is, I, even with an undergraduate degree in Michigan, I needed a second job, like I said, because the news was eight bucks an hour. Um, oh, yeah, my student yeah, yeah. loans were coming due. It was, I was trying mm -hmm. to get to California. Like there was a lot. And so I, I applied for a job as an assistant photographer because I did photography in college. I took classes mm -hmm. and I loved mm -hmm. developing film. Um, yeah. and she was like, <laughs> no, I'm looking for like a 17 year old. Yes. And I was like, yeah. a 17 year old yeah, yeah. can't do this job. You just can't pay me anything. And you think a 17 year old's going to take like a flat rate of 10 it. bucks for this job and be fine with it because yes, they live with their mom exactly. and dad. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it's unfortunate. Of the, yeah, it's, it's the, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like, I'm not complaining. I love that I publish books, but like it is sort of a weird place to be in because I think as soon as I published books, now, you know, auntie on my on my husband's side is, is no longer calling it that writing thing, that writing thingy. She sort of assumes that I now can buy like a yacht or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know yes. what I mean? Right. Like, yes. it's just, and it's just like, oh, of course you live in Europe and you're traveling every month because right. you're rich now. And it's like, no, that's not that's not how books work. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, but it'd be great so if it, it was. Yeah. Wait, wait, how many so, copies did you buy? <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what i should have said to her <laughs> that's amazing um yeah so it's it's different <laughs> so let's talk about though what you do do as an author to yes. um help support building one uh your career when you're not, when you're yeah, not when writing you're... or when you're filling in the, that space what are you doing? Or sailing on your yacht. Or sailing on or your sailing yacht. My yacht. Yeah. When you have to pay the pink hotel's bill at the end because <laughs> it's still four fifty a night. Um, what Holy do you? Hell. What are you doing? Yeah. So when I was working as an assistant archivist, that was, I would say, the most lucrative side hustle I've probably ever had because it was, it was somebody else was paying me. Right. I had an hourly yeah. wage. I showed up. I did my job. There were some, it's still a job, right? There's always some downsides to that. I think that's the tough thing about having a passion that can be also a hustle, right? Like acting, yeah. writing. Like I, I think part of part of writing has now become like one of the hustles is pitching reviews, pitching essays, pitching, oh, yes. you know, for these little, these little drops of money, right? Like, and, and that's tough when your passion becomes the hustle. Right. Because that can kind of rub off its sheen a little bit, I think. For sure. Right. Because up till then, you're like hustling to get that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when now you're balancing, you know, oh, two different hustles. So, right? so often, I mean, Jamie gets, and I'm sure you've gotten, you know, oh, you're a writer. Why don't you do this technical writing? Why don't yes. you like create content? Why don't you like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Read, read my, biography my father's biography or something like that right mm -hmm. yeah like um okay let me think about how much i would charge for that you know it's just like it becomes and it's sort of like everything is sort of focused to take attention away from the one thing that you want to be doing right which is for me working on a book right like that's yeah. but everything around that has to has to support it in some way it's, yeah it's tough it's, it's tough when people don't want to pay you either oh god that's I mean, like, usually people are like, can yeah. you, can you read this for me and give me your feedback? And like, sure, but I have yeah. a cost for that. Well, can't you just as a friend do it? Yeah. It's like, well, then I can't yeah. pay my rent. That's, yeah. That's why yeah. archiving was so great was because it was sort of the, probably my only hustling job where I didn't have to do inventory, you know, like send somebody an invoice and be like, can you pay me now? can you pay me now? Right. Like, it was just like, here are my hours this week and they give me a check. And it was great. Are you doing any archiving in East Berlin or in Germany? No, 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 no. no I don't speak German. Behind you. So yeah. the, oh. the, I would love to, I wish I, I could do that, but it's mostly like hustling, you know, like the salon, the writing salon. Yes. I had some students let's, from when I was teaching at UCLA extension. Can yeah, we let's talk, talk about, about the writing that. salon? Because you're still working, yeah. you were in Germany, but teaching classes at UCLA Extension yes. online. 
Yes, I was. And that was that was tough for the time difference. But yeah. then yeah. they also, I think, post pan, I, I don't want to say post pandemic, because obviously everyone's, we're still living in a pandemic world, right. But um, post the lockdowns, UCLA, mm -hmm. and all the UC schools um, implemented an HR rule that if you weren't living in the in the country, they couldn't employ you. And that was because mm. during the pandemic, everybody was like, well, I'll just go live back home or somewhere cheaper or whatever. And right. so I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't teach with them anymore, which was really sad. And I didn't know that until two weeks before I moved. So I thought I was moving here and I was going to teach and write and it was going to be hunky dory. So that sucked. Aww. So, um, yeah, it was a bummer. It was a yeah. bummer. I'm still, I'm still sad about that. But, um, then I got to, I had some ex students, some other people that I knew that were like, would you ever consider reading my work and giving me notes? And I, I sort of have a, a philosophy about MFA programs and, and, and teaching writing and stuff where I think because of my experience of having worked at the Getty and having hustled in different jobs and learned that the only person that's going to take you seriously as a writer is yourself, that I, I really want to I don't want to even say teach because I think that's like a weird hierarchy, but I really want to instill other writers to believe that they don't need outside validation to be a writer. They're yeah. they, right. They, they all that it takes is you sitting at a desk and, and actually writing and yeah. the better, and maybe, maybe because I've, I've written and edited books, I can give you a different perspective on your book. Right. But what's even better is if I train you up or you train yourself up to to read your own work because you're going to be the best editor of your work right that's that's just going to be the case but the way to do that is to read other people's work so I came up with this idea of doing a sort of writing salon where I facilitate a place where writers can exchange work and I will do one-on-one -on -one feedback with each writer about their books so that's the I don't want to even say a business model. That's the philosophical. I love it. <laughs> outlook yeah. for that. <laughs> and you don't have to put labels on it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, we just talked to our friend Katie Von Till, who's an actress and she coaches, and and I have a similar philosophy, and she does too. Where we don't even want you to come back. We're not here to teach you. Yes. Like I teach undergrad, and I teach a, an LA film class and a podcasting class. And I'm not going to have those students again. I get them for one class and I'm just yeah. going to impart on them everything I know about the field and like have yeah. guest speakers. And then you're going to go out and do it. And then you yes. don't like you wouldn't come back and repeat undergrad. So I yeah. feel that way about like my storytelling class, too. And I tell them, like, now you're going to form a workshop with your you know, peers that are at the same level or better than you. And you're going to yes. workshop each other's work like you're yeah. not going to take my class twice. That doesn't, yeah. I, what am I yeah. feeding into, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, well, then, I think the other you do thing. That, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was just saying when you, when you do that, that is the instant where it becomes about your, what you, you what you need from them as opposed to what they, you yes. have to give them. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. sort of the, the, I think how the writing, I think I jokingly said to Jordan one night after a couple of martinis that I, I feel like mm. creative writing teachers deserve a spot in hell. Because <laughs> I at the time I was doing the job and I was like, what am I really teaching out these students outside of teaching them that they need a teacher, right? When when really, what they really need is a community. Yeah. And, and, and I don't like the idea that you have to pay a bunch of money to do that to a university, right? But I, I understand that that's how we're structured, right? And I'm super thankful for UCR Palm Desert. Like they, they're sort of the reason why I have this mentality that I, you know, a lot of writers who write genre fiction don't feel like they're real writers because it's not, I don't know, Joan Didion or something. I'm like, no, no, forget all of that. Like what you need is to look to yourself and maybe you have a couple of readers that you meet it's tough though, because writing is something that you do by yourself. So it's very easy to get stuck in your own head. So I can't, I think I, I only offer their salon once a year. Oh. And, and they can come yeah. back. Yeah, that's basically what I do now. <laughs> right. I'm so excited for your next book. I'm so excited. All right, 
we have kept you w- over. No. Oh shit. Okay. Sorry. Um, it, no, it's been lovely talking to you guys. Lovely to see you.